0: The Gator's Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation.
1: The Gator's Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Got a Jim Packed episode of Gator's Breakdown coming your way with two guests that can break it down with the best of them. First up is Peter Burns from the SEC Network as we get a Florida. Beating LSU rap from him, and that's uh, that's pretty good. You're going to want to check that out. And as well as his thoughts on the Gators as contenders in the SEC East. Then I'll be joined by Zach Ellis from VUCommodores.com to break down the Vanderbilt Commodores. Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on newsforjackscom breakdown There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles. From the News for Jack sports team that's newsforjacks.com/slash Gator's Breakdown. Also listen on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and now on Spotify. When using those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And on social media, follow Gator's Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gator's Breakdown. So last week, SEC Network's Peter Burns made a bet with Gator Great Chris Doring for the Florida LSU game. Peter is a fan of LSU, and of course, Doring, a fan. And former player of the Gators, the loser of the game, would have to make a rap about the game result. Well, we know what happened. All right. Just waking up Tuesday morning, gotta
0: thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. Me rapping in the morning, while I'm mourning. Cause the Gators blocked by Tigers like Alonzo Mourning. The Tigers got a lead, but couldn't fend them off. Grants and blitz of D, had LSU looking soft. Hooked it up for later as hit the dough. Thinking Florida looked a lot different back in week four. I gotta go to rap because the Tigers lost. Doran over there just smiling like a freaking boss. So congrats to Crest. You got that bet right. Been dreading this rap since early on Sunday night. But everything is all right. I got a text from, oh, he said the Tigers still got their bite. So I called up some homies and I'm asking y'all, which SEC team is the next to fall? Messing with the Gators, man, you know the trouble. Take them lightly, man, they're probably going to bust your
1: bubble. Blitzing QBs every day like VJ. I got to say, the Gators had a good day. So now we're joined by Peter Burns from the SEC Network here on Gators Breakdown. And Peter, just because of the subject matter, that is now one of my favorite songs.
0: Oh, dude, I hope, I, I, you know what, Dory's probably the kind of guy that's going to make it his new ringtone. So that way, anytime we're hanging out. You're going to be like, hey, Peter, somebody's calling me and it's going to play the most god-awful rap song ever. Uh, but, hey, man, I'm a man of my word. I thought that game, um, you know, lived up to the hype. And, David, you and I have talked about this on Twitter, and I know you've done it on your breakdowns of the games. Like, this LSU-Florida matchup in rivalry is really becoming one of those ones. Like, it's, it's becoming the game that I look forward to every single year. You know, you had the hurricane thing a couple of years ago, and, You know, homecoming last year, and LSU wins that game. And and this year, LSU comes in undefeated. They leave with that loss, uh, you know, all because of Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham. So, uh, yeah, I got the loser end of that deal. So I'm sorry for all your listeners who had to listen to that again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're definitely right. This is a heavyweight fight when, when these two teams get together. And one we've really come to expect when these two teams get together. You know, it may not be a traditional rival for both schools, but this is a new age rivalry that always brings it.
0: Yeah, I think the thing is, too, is, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the SEC having these cross-divisional, like, permanent rivalry games, right? You know, and I think right now, both LSU and Florida are trying to find that foothold to get back to where they were as far as being one of the dominant teams in the conference. I mean, LSU had their run, of course, in 03 and 07 and 2011, and, and maybe took a little bit, um, you know, uh, kind of fell off that pedestal. And I think you could say the same thing with, with Florida. So I think both of these programs find themselves on that unique kind of stepping stone, trying to take it to the next level. And I'll tell you this, man. I was a Mullen fan when he was down in Starkville, and I thought it was in monster higher when Scott Strickland decided to go with them. I was shocked that they were even looking at Chip Kelly Um, because there was just something about Dan, and you know Dan wanted to be in Gainesville. And I, I got a text from a bunch of LSU friends that went down to the swamp, and they're like, dude, I have not heard the swamp like that in a decade. And I think that's a um, that's a monster credit to Dan Mullen and his enthusiasm getting the Gator fans uh, rocking and rolling again.
1: Yeah, it was definitely an atmosphere to behold. You know, being a being a fan, it was nice to see the, the swamp like that. Uh, I was there with my dad. He doesn't like going to games all too often. Uh, it was one I talked him into over the summer and going uh, because of the Tebow Ring of Honor and the '08 National Championship team getting honored. So you're definitely right. It was it was the old swamp. It felt like the old swamp again. And and you're right. You know, back at SEC Media Days, you know, and, and it was finally nice to get to meet you in person. By the way, uh, in Atlanta, you, you told me you loved Dan Mullen higher and you know some. Uh, uh, about a you know uh, month and a half, two months later, some F- Gator fans didn't take too kindly when you rightly picked Tennessee to beat Florida, and, and you got that one right. But you know, since then, Florida's been on a tear, beating you know, Colorado State, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and LSU, and it's you know a full testament of the buy-in of, of Dan Mullen and his coaching. And I thought you said it best in one of your tweets earlier this week, "In quote, Florida needed fun and a new offensive outlook."
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's what it was. I think Jim McElwain, um, you know, he was kind of aloof and didn't. And, and I think with McElwain, McElwain was a coach that tried to put Felipe in the McElwain scheme. And I think what I've been impressed with Dan Mullen is him, him going, you know what? I can't turn Felipe into something that he's not. You know, maybe that was the mistake that Felipe was never really comfortable with. He was trying to run something that that just didn't feel comfortable for his skill set. And I think Mullen went in basically like a chef that goes into a new house and instead of saying, I'm going to cook this meal, I don't care what's in the pantry, he goes into the pantry and he looks at Felipe Franks and goes, okay, these are the ingredients that I have, how do I make the best meal of that? And that's the best way I can put it with Dan. Dan's come out the air and he's, listen, he's won two games single-handedly on his game plan. There's no doubt in my mind. The Mississippi State game, the game plan he had with shorter passes was, was incredible. Um, and and the the creativity he showed against LSU, and letting Todd Grantham do his thing defensively, that is two games I don't think Florida wins last year without Dan Mullen at the helm.
1: Yeah, and you're right. And you just brought up Todd Grantham, and you know, since that Kentucky game, we've seen this defense get transformed. They get they got uh, C. C. Jefferson back. David Reese back, and now with those guys back, you've seen other players be able to step up because Vashawn Joseph's taking advantage of David Reese being on the field. Jakai Polite you know, is you know, a leader in sacks uh, in the nation right now, and you know it, it really is a, a. I don't think a lot of fans knew what to expect from Todd Grantham, but since that Kentucky game, this Florida defense has been lights out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I knew what to expect. I, I knew that he is as good and buttoned up as any coach in college, and, and as far as defensive coordinator, I saw what he could do at at Florida or at, at in Starkville, and he just didn't have the guys. He didn't have the C. C. Jeffersons, the David Reese, the Oshans, um, you know, and and that's why so many people in Starkville were were upset that he left simply because they're like, man, with Montez Sweat and Simmons and all these guys he has, he was going to put up some. He was going to be unbelievable this year. And sure enough, you know, Dan gets them to come in. And I I think, you know, everybody talks about Dave Aranda and everybody talks about all these different coordinators. Um, I'll tell you this, the hiring and bringing Todd Grantham down to Gainesville is as big of a hire as anything in college football
1: couple more thoughts here for Peter Burns before we uh, let him get on with his day. And Peter, Florida heads to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt this week. Uh, and, and kind of the message has been, you know, not not to let down uh, after these emotional last few weeks. Do you see any type of letdown from this Gator team? No, because I think they're having fun.
0: You know, I, I think as stupid as that sounds, David, I think there's a level to I don't know how much fun the guys were having. And I think now they've gotten to the point where they're like, hey, man, this if we work our butt off, Monday through Friday so we can have fun on Saturday. Like, Saturday is the reward. It's no longer like, okay, now we've got to go play a game. And I think that's the difference. I think that, that's why Mullen's so comfortable in his own skin going, guys, let's, let's smile. Let's go out there, and this is why you worked your ass off so you can go have fun and, and, and rip into these things. So I don't see that, mostly because I just don't think Vandy has the, has the guys. Um, and, I, and I think Dan is a good job of making sure these guys don't get caught up because now SEC East is definitely 100% into play. I mean, I, I think Georgia, every week by week, they get weaker and weaker as far as that offensive line and defensive line. I think they're still more talented than Florida, but I think they're in a pretty darn good spot of where they're at right now.
1: Well, that's exactly where I was going uh, next, uh, Peter, before I let, let, let you go here. So, you know, is there talk, you, you just brought it up, is there talk around SEC Network, ESPN, and some of the guests that you bring in to, to, to your TV shows and radio shows that Florida can actually give Georgia a push for the East?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what me and Doreen been talking about on our SiriusXM show is that why, why not? You know, I mean, um, you know, because the big thing that's important is because of what, Georgia is right now, they still have to play LSU this weekend, which anything can happen. They've got to still play Auburn, which I think Auburn will find its footing sooner or later. Uh, and then that game of Joshua is always a crazy game. So um, I, I honestly think the SEC East is wide open. I still think Kentucky's in it. I still think Florida's in it and Georgia. And to me, the East is actually a more intriguing position right now than the SEC West.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben, ben was just a whole different monster and a machine in and of itself right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's like a it's like tech mobile, but they've got all the cheat codes right now.
1: They <laughs> they have they have uh they have eleven Bo Jacksons on both sides of the ball. <laughs> That's a good way to <laughs> put them man. All right, Peter Burns of the SEC Network joining us here on Gator's Breakdown. Peter, thank you so much. Awesome, David. Thanks about see ya. Zach Ellis from VU Commodores dot com joins us here on Gator's Breakdown to give the Vanderbilt side of things as Gators travel to Nashville. Zach, thank you for coming on Gator's Breakdown. Thanks for having me, Dave. Appreciate it. Zach Vanderbilt is coming off a game at Georgia, where the Commodores hung tough early on, but couldn't keep up in the second half. What were the key takeaways from the game versus Georgia, and what did Derek Mason learn about his team in that game?
2: Well, it was interesting. I mean, you know, they, Derek Mason was was surprisingly calm. I would say after that game, considering the final score, just because for really one and a half, uh, the Commodores hung with the Bulldogs. I mean, this was a Georgia team that came in averaging something like 43 points a game, and Early on, you know, it was a one-score game uh, just before halftime until Georgia pulled away there, particularly in, in the third quarter, as they gained a little momentum. But, you know, the, the key, I think, for Vanderbilt, it wasn't turnovers, which is what kind of hurt the Commodores uh, against South Carolina a couple weeks ago at home. Instead, it was just an inability to stay on the field. They finished something like 3 of 13 on third and fourth down uh, on the game. And, I, I, you know, that was one of those situations where you look at the – box score at halftime and late in the game, and there wasn't too much of a discrepancy. It was simply that, for whatever reason, the offense was not able to stay on the field and sustain drives, and that really cost them because Georgia was doing the exact opposite really would move the ball very well. So, you know, I think the focus this week has been being able to keep those drives long and hoping that offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig can find a way this week to do so against what's probably a pretty good Florida defense.
1: This is a Vanderbilt team that started the season off hot by beating Middle Tennessee 35-7, to then Nevada, forty-one to ten. Then the trip to South Bend, where Vanderbilt coulda, shoulda, woulda beat Notre Dame and ended up falling twenty-two to seventeen. That's a game you know Vanderbilt put so much into, fell just a bit short. Has it affected what we've seen uh, since then?
2: Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't. It was certainly a deflating loss, but deflating in the sense that they really felt like they should have won the game. This is a They had a uh, you know a a last fourth down or a fourth quarter drive that fell short when the fourth down pass to receiver Elijah uh when he hit the ground after catching it the defender fell on it and popped it out so they had a chance continuing to sustain that drive that would have been the go ahead touchdown and and really led it led pretty late in that game and they just felt like they were just as good if not better than what Notre Dame was putting on the field and so it wasn't as though it like you know derailed the season it was more that oh we missed an opportunity there and I think they. Uh, and I think it just felt like that was one that could have really defined the season early. I, I think they've done a good job of putting it behind them because they've, they've been smart about talking about we're not about moral victories, we are ready to win these games. That's what we're here for, is to win. It's what the final scoreboard said. And so, just from that perspective, yeah, it was disappointing. But I don't think it's going to define the rest of the year for them. I think they see a lot of the games coming up, um, for this combo team as, as winnable. I mean, you got four to come up, then you're going to be up, on the road for a few games to, uh, Kentucky and Arkansas, Missouri, and then obviously you know, closing the year against Ole Miss and Tennessee, the two teams that they've had success against the last few years. And so, at three and three, I think they still feel very much like a bowl game is is on the table for this team.
1: Well, let's move on to Kyle Shermer, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the SEC. Is he a quarterback that is proving the offense can be put on his shoulders to carry this team?
2: Well, I mean, they, they don't want to have to do that just because they do have. A pretty good crop of running backs there, but I, he's a guy who, as you said, I mean, he's one of the most experienced guys in the SEC. He was kind of thrust into the starting role late in his freshman year, uh, which I believe was Jared Mason's first year here um, in, or no, I guess it was his second year here in Nashville. But you know, he's the, the good thing about Kyle is that he's worked with the same offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig, all four seasons. He's gotten used to to knowing this offense, and he, he's just he's extremely uh, experienced. And that's what you want at that side of the ball. Now, there have been certain situations this year where some poor decisions have hurt him in terms of turnovers. It hasn't always been the case for much of his career, but last year in SEC games, you saw some miscues trying to find of those hands for him. This year, early on, it wasn't the case, but then, you know, turned the ball over a couple times early uh, early in this season. So that's kind of the key for him, because we're just making the good decisions. Um, you know, he's got now one of the best receivers in the SEC in Kalajah Lipscomb, who's leading the SEC in a lot of categories right now, a good tight end in Jared Beatney. Um, some young receivers that Derek Mason has said is his most talented top to bottom group receivers he's had here. But at the same time, a lot of those guys haven't quite stepped up to what they need. And I think Kyle, just being the veteran that he is, has kind of masked that in a way. But I don't think they want him to answer your, your original question. They don't want this, uh, this senior quarterback to have to put the game on his shoulders. But he's somebody in a fourth, in a fourth quarter, uh, game winning drive situation. They completely trust him doing so when necessary.
1: Zach, you mentioned the uh, the running backs earlier, and Gator fans know departed running back Ralph Webb. All, Ralph Webb, all too well. How is Vanderbilt doing in replacing Webb? Uh, is it a stable of backs, or is there a bell cow approach?
2: Well, it's interesting. For the most part of the whole year, it's it's been a stable of backs. It's been Keyshawn Vaughn, who was an Illinois transfer, sat out last season. He's a Nashville native, and he's been a guy who really is an explosive. There's Blossom game, who's, who's a, a fifth-year senior, he's somebody who was actually a linebacker when he got here and converted to running back um, two or three years ago. And then Jamari Wakefield is a sophomore who showed out a lot as a freshman a year ago. Those three have kind of been the primary ball carriers. But interestingly, today, Derek Mason kind of alluded to how they need to really start pinpointing more carriers for Keyshawn Vaughn. He actually called him the bell cow of the group today in his in his weekly press conference. So I would look for him to maybe get some more carries just because you know, Derek Mason was pretty explicit about, hey, this this is this is our bell cow. Not to say that the other guys aren't talented, but I think that in a way sometimes they might feel they should give Keyshawn a few more carries because he's shown a real explosiveness that maybe the other guys have not. not. Not that the other guys aren't talented and have their own skill sets that work for them, but I think uh, Keyshawn's the guy that down the stretch, it wouldn't shock me if he's going to end up getting the bulk of the carries.
1: A strong point so far this season. Uh, for the Vandy offense, is the offensive line only giving up six sacks for the year? It's going to be a good test for both sides as the Gators come into this game with 20 sacks so far in the season. This is a matchup I'm ready to see.
2: Well, I think the line is fully aware that, you know, a year ago the line was sort of a, uh, a weak point of this team, but then returning all the starters this season, they expected they'd be sort of fortified up front. And, and you've kind of seen that. They've been shaken up a bit. I know that um, Del Ripper there. Uh, their center for most of the season has been kind of shaken up, and they moved over um, Bruno Reagan to center, who's really a more versatile lin- lineman, but maybe not his natural position. So they've got some guys that are kind of flexing certain spots there that might not be their natural spots, but they do have that flexibility and versatility to make it work. And, and you're right, they haven't given up a lot of sacks, but at the same time against Georgia in particular, granted a very good defensive line, but the, Kyle Shermer still had to make a lot of quick uh a lot of quick throws against a really good defensive line. Expecting to probably have the same challenge against Florida this week, and, and I expect that this Florida offensive line is, or me, this Vanderbilt offensive line, is uh, ready for the challenge.
1: Vanderbilt and Derek Mason, known for their uh, defense historically together, you know, since he's been there. But right now, ranked 81st in yards per game, giving up 398 and a half yards per game, and giving up 24 points per game. After a strong start to the season, has the defense been a product of the schedule getting tougher? Or are there some concerns on that side of the ball?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. They've been banged up a bit. They had two key players uh, last week, defensive lineman Luis Vecchio and then linebacker Charles Wright, the latter, of which was the stack leader from a year ago. Both those guys missed the game against Georgia um, with, with illnesses. And so I'm expecting, I think, to have at least Charles Wright back this week. Not sure about Luis Vecchio. But I just don't think at this point he's – and Derek Mason's talked about it a little bit. They don't quite – um, have the depth at certain positions. He likes the depth up front, but in certain positions, he's not really, uh, sure about what's going to happen. happen I and mean, he mentioned they've got good ones and good threes, but the twos on certain spots, they're a little light on. I think he's kind of seeing that, especially in a game against, like, Georgia, in which, like I said, the offense wasn't staying on the field much, so the defense was getting the bulk of the playing time. And so, you know, it, it's been an interesting year just because this is the first year that Derek Mason has had a defensive coordinator since his first year in Vanderbilt in 2014. I mean, he, he brought in Jason Tarver, who's been a long-time NFL coach, coached with him at Sanford for a while as well, to run his defense. And, um you know, he's a guy who he he says basically he trusts completely with that side of the ball. I just don't know right now, just because they've been a little bit banged up against, you know, two top-10 top caliber teams in Notre Dame and Georgia in particular, that uh, they've been able to be as good defensively as they want. I think now that the schedule gets a little bit easier, Um, then maybe you'll see things change a bit. But, yeah, I do think that being a little shaken up and playing against good competition has been kind of a rough recipe for the defense.
1: Zach, what are a couple keys to the game for Vanderbilt here?
2: Well, I think there's a couple. I think on on offense, I think they've got to run the football really well. but They haven't had really a game against a good opponent this year where they've really run that well. Whether it's one guy, whether it's all three guys, if they can get some sort of a running stability going with that group, take some pressure off Kyle Shermer on those third longs. I think that's going to help them a lot on offense. And I think the second part of it is that the defense is going to have to find a way to, to put a little more pressure on Felipe Franks for four than they have on other quarterbacks this year. I mean, I think Felipe Franks is playing potentially the as good as he's played in his career there. I mean, Dan Mullen's a guy who's known for his molding quarterbacks, So I think on defense, they've got to put some extra pressure on him, force him into some turnovers, and, and hope that on offense, the running game can help this team start fast and not dig itself out of holes because too often this team, and even against games against lesser opponents, find itself kind of digging out of early holes. So if they can run the football, I think that's going to be big on them and helping Kyle Sherman not have to force plays and be able to just kind of get into a rhythm.
1: So, Zach, it is a noon game, and and some Gator fans are excited to be able to, to venture out around Nashville, downtown Nashville, after the game. What are some things Gator fans should keep an eye out for this weekend?
2: Well, if they want to stick around until Sunday, I think the Titans and Ravens Play right here uh, in, in Nashville, I think have had a pretty good year so far. They've started three and two and had some good games there. It's one of the more fun teams in town. Uh, I want to say maybe this weekend might be the NHL opening uh, opening weekend as well. I and mean, the National Predators is one of the best teams in that league too. But in terms of the city itself, I mean, gosh, there's just a ton of places to go. Downtown, Lower Broadway is where a lot of action is. I mean, a lot of cool bars and stuff like that. Um, you got the Ryman Auditorium. You got the College or excuse me, the uh, uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame. There's a lot of sights to see around town because this place has really been booming over the last like three to, to five years and certainly it's a place that we hope visiting fans can spend the whole weekend and have a good time
1: here. Zach Ellis from VU Thank you for joining me here on Gators Breakdown and breaking down this Florida Vanderbilt matchup from the Vandy side. Thanks so much for having me. So we've talked to Peter Burns, we've talked to Zach Ellis, got there. Perspectives on you know Florida and this Florida Vanderbilt matchup as well, you know, and some of the talk, and especially with, with Peter there, you know, Florida being contenders in the SEC East, and you know, if you are a contender in the SEC East, this game against Vanderbilt, this is this is a game you go you go handle. You can't afford a, a slip up or, or let down. You know, you've had these last three weeks where you went to Tennessee an emotional first road game matchup there. Uh, you know, people were picking Tennessee. You know, Florida first road game, Felipe Franks first road game. How would they respond? Responded really well. Then you had the Mississippi State game, where all the emotion of Dan Mullen returning there, uh, and how it would affect this team and how they would rally around him. Another good turnout, and then you know, a top five matchup against LSU, where. Uh, you know, the word was getting the swamp back and getting that Gator Swagger back. You know? So it's been an emotional three weeks for Florida. So no type of letdown is needed here. Uh, and and you know, this team on the other side, Vanderbilt, they're gonna think, you know, any team you play on that other side, those 11 guys you're match up against are gonna think they can beat you. So you know, that, that you know, always for me has been enough motivation, but I know it doesn't necessarily work out uh, that way all the time. But you know, Florida just has to go uh, and, and play their game. They play their game, they win this game. Uh, pretty handily, uh, I think you know. Bye week is coming up. You want all those good vibes going into the bye week uh, in preparation for Georgia uh, as well. So no letdown here uh, for for the Gators. That noon kickoff, you know, kind of worrisome there. But you know, Gators just need to go handle their business. But you know, of course, a lot easier uh, said than done. Uh, some keys to the game, I think, for here uh, is tackling and tackling and coverage for me. And you know, I, I don't think Vanderbilt will give Florida much opportunity to get pressure and sacks. Uh, early on in this game. They're gonna rely on their quick passing game uh, to limit the Florida pressure. So, you know, while these defensive backs are going to have to, to cover the shorter routes, tackling is a must to limit, you know, yards after the catch. You know, you don't want to to give up uh, these easy first downs just by not tackling or uh, key third down. I just think Vanderbilt's going to try and march down the field just a little bit, not give these Zuniga and Polite and Joseph and this front seven a lot of time to, to get, get, back, get back there and get him. So a lot of short routes, a lot of out routes, you know, get the ball out of Shermer's hands. So... then i think this goes back to the offense a little bit to to get up quick go put some points on the board make vandy have to rely on trying to hit big plays in the in the passing game and then you can ramp up the pressure on Shermer. the gators haven't given up a touchdown pass the last three games so against a team that really can't run the ball all too well and i think that will have to rely on Shermer. it's going to be a tough task for vandy uh, and for the vandy qb there Shermer, to take advantage of this gator secondary it will be interesting to see how Vandy comes out uh, early on, so you go back to that Georgia game. That they, that, you know, do they come out um, not trying to risk turning over the ball, uh, trying to grind it out, trying to stay on the field, trying to keep the game close, or do they come out aggressive and you know risk turning the ball over, uh, there by putting the ball up in the air? I think uh, you know we'll see how Vandy wants to play this game early. You know, I, I don't think uh, they can't get too conservative, but also can't get too aggressive. So you know, it would be interesting to see. Uh, I just don't think they, they they want to get Shermer hit quite as much as uh, uh as this Florida pressure can can really uh, can really bring it on them there. So you know that's why I like to see the Gators put up some early points on the board, force Vandy into being aggressive, uh, don't give him a choice. Uh, you know past the first quarter or so, put some early points on the board uh, and make this Vanderbilt offense have to drop back and pass, and that's when we'll see the Gator defense at its best. When it's all said and done, I think it's about a 31 to 13 Gators win. I think you know team's on a mission right now go get into that bye week with some, with some hype with some um a little bit of mojo heading into that big showdown with Georgia but uh and not, not a team to overlook here in Vandy but I think if Florida plays their game and I think they will that the gators wind up coming out on top 31 13. Gators and let's take a quick look at the SEC before we wrap up here on Gators breakdown of course Florida Vanderbilt kickoff at noon on ESPN so get the early slot and the Gators get their game out of the way also at 12 o'clock another key SEC game here Tennessee and Auburn Tennessee with a bye week Auburn coming off the loss to Mississippi State so how does uh, how does Auburn respond there and uh, you know this is a tough stretch for Tennessee here uh, starting with Auburn Then at 330 game of the week in the SEC our florida's next opponent after vanderbilt georgia bulldogs travel to baton rouge against florida's last opponent and take on the lsu tigers number two versus number 13 on cbs 330 game there and uh, i tell you what that's going to be a that's going to be fun game to watch after this gator games ever with. Uh, seeing the gators next opponent and seeing the gators previous opponent and it being the the, the key matchup in the sec this week and uh you had us. Georgia respond on the road, this is their toughest game of the year, they haven't really played much of anybody so far this year, you know, South Carolina is a good team there, uh, but they're not what uh, LSU is, and uh, you know, LSU still got a pretty good resume even after losing to Florida last week, so uh, interested to see how Georgia responds uh, in another uh, tough road game uh, for them. Also at 3.30 on the SEC Network, another pretty good game here, Texas A&M travels to uh, Columbia, Take on uh, South Carolina. South Carolina coming off that big win against Missouri last week. Texas A&M coming off a big win against Kentucky last week. I'll see how this game plays out. Uh, I think you've got to like A&M here. I don't think South Carolina can get much going on offense. And this A&M defense is a little better than I uh, oh, gave them credit for coming into this season. They're, they're, they've kind of, just like Dan Mullen under Florida, they've kind of taken the mold of Jimbo Fisher pretty well and become a pretty tough team. There, so the night games on ESPN as well. we got uh, Alabama and Missouri at 7 o'clock. We'll see how Missouri responds after that heartbreaker uh, versus South Carolina last week. Uh, and see how Alabama, you know, some, some people, if you can question this Alabama team, I don't really think you can too much, is how they handle the, the, uh, their defensive backs and how they handle a passing game here. Uh, we saw they dominate Ole Miss early in the season. Here's another one with Drew Locke in this Missouri passing game. Um, coming to Tuscaloosa at 7 o'clock at night. And then at 7.30, Ole Miss and Arkansas, the SEC West, two worst teams there. So don't really know uh, what to expect there. I would say uh, Ole Miss's offense uh, gets that one done uh, when it's all said and done uh, there. So pretty good jam-packed episode here of Gators Breakdown. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Thanks for Peter Burns and Zach Ellis. And um, I think everybody should just rewind, rewind, rewind the episode and go listen to that Peter Burns rap again. Uh, of uh, Florida beating LSU but uh, you know, thanks for being a good sport there uh, Peter with that bet with Chris Doring, and uh, maybe we'll get to talk about these Gators being good some more uh, on the SEC network and we'll get Peter uh, again here on Gators Breakdown uh, later in the year uh, I'm David Waters the host of Gators Breakdown you can find me on Twitter at Gator Dave underscore SCC. guys and girls out there thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown